All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high-quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey, and I'm so excited to get started. Hello, guys. I'm here with Celeste of the Ultimate Mom Challenge, which is such a badass name, by the way. Hi, Celeste. Hi, Suzanne. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Okay, I want to get into all of the Ultimate Mom Challenge, all of that stuff. But first, just tell us about yourself and kind of your alcohol story before we get into the good stuff. Yeah, my name is Celeste Yvonne. I live in Reno, Nevada. I've got two kids. I am going to be five years alcohol-free in December. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. And my journey, you know, I I never expected to quit drinking, yeah. right, as most of us. I always figured I'd be able to eventually figure out how to moderate, especially after I became a mom. Then I would get my act together. I would figure it all out. And, um, of course, as most of us know, motherhood does not make anything easier. No, no. Um, <laughs> it made everything more challenging. And um, my drinking increased, as did my tolerance. So yeah, it got to the point where the hangovers and parenting little children just became unbearable. And I didn't think I was an alcoholic. Yeah. My, my dad was an alcoholic. So I knew what an alcoholic looked like by definition. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like in your mind, thinking of your dad, like what did an alcoholic, what did that mean to you? That meant ultimatums. It meant rehab. It meant AA. It meant children and 
spouses begging you to quit. Mm. It meant hard liquor in brown paper bags. Like that's what I saw when I saw alcoholism. Yeah. I saw being told you're going to lose everything if you keep doing this and not being able to stop. Yeah. So, you know, I, I always think of leaving Las Vegas, Nicholas Cage. Totally. That, that's what I pictured as an alcoholic. And I was not there. Right. I was married. I had little kids. I had just run my first marathon. Like I, I was in a career, like on paper, I looked pretty freaking successful. Yeah. But inside is where it felt like something was very, very wrong mm. and something really needed to change. If I was going to live this life as a mom that I've always dreamed of, you know, I'd always wanted to be a mother. Mm -hmm. But now that I was a mom, I was just going through the motions and I hated it. And I just wanted five o'clock to roll around. And I knew that this isn't what motherhood was supposed to be about mm -hmm. and that something would need to change. I was just so scared to think what that might mean. Yeah. You know, what did alcohol free mean? I, I didn't know anybody who didn't drink. It seemed like such a punishment. Yeah. And like it would always be a struggle, right? That you would just forever be tied to the struggle to alcohol and it would just be a constant battle. And it's like, well, that doesn't sound, yeah, that doesn't sound like freedom. Right. Who wants that? Nobody wants that. Yeah. Um, a life of deprivation. That is how I pictured it. And I think that's why, you know, when I did finally quit, you know, I had had a panic attack that day. It was after a weekend of drinking and I got to work and I had the sweats and I was having trouble breathing and I just I had a panic attack. And that was for me, like my call to action, like mm. I know what the problem is. Yeah. You know, like I think for a long time, I was like, I don't know what the problem is. Well, right. that day I knew. I know what the problem is. Yeah. So I kind of went into sobriety heartbroken. Uh, like I got booted from the adulting table and now was going to have to live with at the kids table for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And it was really heart-wrenching. I remember driving home that day thinking, my life would never be the same for the better because of this. It was going to be a life for the worse. Yeah, like a demotion, not a promotion. <laughs> exactly. That's how I went into my sobriety. And um, it took me a long time to turn that mindset around. And it took actual true living and experiences for me to see that addiction is the opposite of deprivation. You know, I say now it's liberation. Mm -hmm. And that's what I have found in long-term sobriety. But in the beginning, that was not my mindset. I did not think this was a good thing to be heading towards. It really felt like a, a punishment for just not being able to get my shit together, essentially. Yeah. And so you felt that's so interesting, especially growing up, seeing your dad, I kind of in that battle, probably always. And then yeah. you kind of did you feel like, okay, I'm not him. And like, I'm not, quote, unquote, as bad as he is. But maybe I will be. And so this is my sentence, like I've been sentenced now to sobriety. Yeah, I think for a long time, I used my father's experience as an excuse to keep drinking because I wasn't my father. Yeah. I didn't have a problem the way he had a problem. So clearly I'm okay. Yeah, it's like a binary thing. It's either like you are either that or you're not. You can keep drinking, right? Like that's, right. I mean, that's right. that's exactly what we've been taught in society. It's these stories of the in-between have not been told. And yeah, and so it is either that or this. It shoots you in the foot because you keep thinking, well, I clearly didn't get that genetic predisposition because yeah. sometimes I don't you know, I wasn't drinking every day. So I'm like, you know, I'm not drinking 24 seven. So clearly, I can drink moderately, I'm okay, I just have to figure it out. But the gray area drinking thing that wasn't being discussed, and it had never been discussed. No, in my family growing up. So it wasn't until I realized that that's even an option that I felt seen and heard for the first time. Yeah, because that wasn't an option for so long. I mean, we just didn't know about it. Right. Right. And so this idea that like, oh, you can just you can stop and there's like freedom in this rather than it being a punishment. OK, so the day you had a panic attack at work, 
you were able then to quickly tie that to alcohol and being hungover. And is that probably after, had you struggled with anxiety because of alcohol before and you didn't really tie it to that? Because I think a lot of people are there where it's like, no, I I just have anxiety. And it's like, well, it might be the alcohol. Yeah, I think that was a hard realization for me too. I think after I became a mother, I went through postpartum depression with both my children. Mm. Never once, you know, when I'm taking medication for depression or anxiety, did it ever occur to me that my drinking was impacting both. Yes. And I I saw my anxiety and depression increase significantly after I became a parent. And I honestly don't know how much of that was tied to now being a parent or my increase in drinking. I don't know. And I may never know. Yeah. But isn't it interesting? Because I had postpartum anxiety after my first two, and then I got on medicine. And I love my doctor. I mean, I, I love her so much. You know, she helped me through those times, but alcohol was never a conversation. Right. Me neither. It's just never brought up in the doctor's offices. Especially that, like in early motherhood, like I think we need to start bringing that up in our postpartum checkup, like maybe just a heads up. It's such an important conversation we need to be having because when you look at mommy wine culture, where we're constantly mm-hmm. suggesting or implying or joking that alcohol will fix anything you're struggling with in motherhood, and then you talk about early motherhood, which is prone to anxiety, depression, imposter syndrome. I mean, all the things. It's just a perfect storm. Totally. And in early motherhood, you're just searching for anything to take the pressure off, to help feel like you belong. You're trying to find out who you are, like what the hell is going on. Like it's just such a confusing time. And you're so, yeah, I, I mean, of course, alcohol is there to catch new mothers because like, what else do they have? They don't, they don't have the tools to, you know, and you're so damn tired. Oh my God. So tired. There's so much pressure to have your act together in motherhood right off the bat, you know, like lose the weight right off the bat. Don't ask for help. Like there's all these things. I'll, I'll never forget when I, after I had my firstborn, I knew something was very wrong because I was having some really awful thoughts. Mm-hmm. I was depressed and I had no energy and I was just sick with worry. And I called my OB and I said, something's really wrong. I'm, I, I think, you know, I need help. And she said, if you're having thoughts of harming you or your baby, you need to go to the psych ward. Otherwise uh, it's baby blues and you'll be fine. Wait. Yeah. Wait. That was her advice. Okay. <laughs> that is terrifying. You hear, I swear to God, you hear psych ward. That is not, that does not sound inviting. That sounds like like shaming. And it's like, well, obviously you're going crazy. No. Exactly. Those thoughts, like I went through that too. And I battled them for a year and a half before I finally got help. And when I finally got help and they were like, oh yeah, this is, you know, this is common. It's like, oh my God, that's the best thing you can hear. When you're struggling with those thoughts, the best thing you can hear is like, yes. Yep. Totally normal. Yes, totally normal. Your hormones are going crazy. You are not crazy. Here's, we just need to fix your brain a little bit, get it back to, you know, like the psych ward. What? Yeah. The message I got from that was if you are having problems, you need to keep it to yourself. Yeah. And I think that was when I was really like, I need to learn how to self-medicate because I can't speak up. If I speak up, people will think I'm a bad mom or they'll think I'm crazy. Yeah. Or they'll lock you up in the psych ward. Like what? Yeah. Right. I think that's when, you know, drinking for me really ramped up in motherhood because we put that pressure on each other as mothers societally. Mm-hmm. That if you are asking for help, if you are struggling, then you, you're not a good mom. That's just not okay. Oh and my God. Yeah. No, that's bullshit. That's like... <sighs> Yeah, I could do like a whole episode on this because it is like everyone needs you to be okay. Like we need you to be okay. Moms, yeah. we need you to be okay. Your kids need you to be okay. And it is okay and oftentimes necessary to ask for help. I mean, it's necessary. We need you to be okay, first and foremost. 
And that's the message we need to be conveying to mothers. Like it's okay to struggle early on. And it's normal. Yeah. Yes, it's normal. And and to speak up, speak up when you're hurting. Like, you know, we're not going to judge you. We're not going to shame you. We are going to help you. That's yeah. a place I'd love to get to. Oh, me too. And I think Instagram does, you know, I mean, over on my kind of suite, I'm the influencer or whatever. And I've been doing that for a long time. And I started it when my baby was little because I needed a, an outlet. But I can understand, you know, it paints the perfect picture. I, I try not to do that, but it still does that. But you guys, Instagram is like, it would seem like I share my life on Instagram. It's literally five minutes of my day. Like it yeah. is not real. Instagram's not real. Okay. So don't think. Of, you don't see. Yeah. The loneliness or the meltdowns by baby or mom, you know, you don't see a lot of that. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, I'd love to have this conversation with you too. Like I think Instagram's changing with reels and with the changes TikTok has kind of put in place mm -hmm. for all social media that people want more real. Yes. Like we're, we're looking to take down some of the filters and show the truth of what's really going on. And I, I hope, I think this is a great direction, especially for motherhood. Yeah. Uh, where we can really get to the truth of what motherhood really looks like. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's less curated. It feels better to create that way. I, I never tried to make a super curated thing because I, I know that can be dangerous. Yeah, I, I would just say if, if you're following anyone that makes you feel like you're not enough, unfollow them. Yeah. At least for now, you can always revisit. And there are so many great sobriety and mental health and motherhood, like real motherhood accounts and seek those out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And about body image too. I think that's a really important yes. topic that I'm starting to see more mothers discussing that you don't need six pack abs six weeks after a baby. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Like normal bodies of all shapes and sizes uh, is all okay. And you have nothing to prove. Right. I'd, I'd love to see that uh, narrative change uh, for mothers as well. We put so much pressure on ourselves. I know so much. That's the thing is just letting ourselves off the hook, especially, you know, I talk with a lot of moms who then stop drinking and then feel guilt for things that they either did or said or didn't do or didn't say when they were drinking. And it's like we live with so much guilt and letting, there's just such freedom in just inch by inch letting yourself off the hook. Like, because we do so much. We do so much. Yeah, I think guilt and motherhood go hand in hand. And we feed that with all these expectations of what a mother should look like and should be doing. Yeah. And um, it's really hard to, to let that go. You know, one of the things I talk about and write about a lot is how the mental load of motherhood really feeds into the increase and rise in women's drinking as well. And mm -hmm. um, we do, by mental load of motherhood, I mean all the invisible and emotional work that goes into uh, managing a family. Yeah. It's a lot of invisible labor that goes into not only just making sure, you know, the calendar's running smoothly and that everybody knows where they're supposed to be for the day, but setting the energy level for the family. Yeah. Making sure people are emotionally feeling strong that day and ready to go to school, not just physically, but they're in the right mindset. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. It's very layered. So much. And um, it's something that often goes unnoticed. And most of the time, people only recognize it when it's going wrong or when something falls off the plate. Totally. And that's just more guilt and struggles for mothers that we have to work through. And I see the challenges of the mental load of motherhood as really feeding into um the rise in women's drinking, because it's another way that we can kind of calm down this overworked brain that is constantly go, 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 go. Yeah. And just tone it down, settle it down without asking for help. Again, you know, the same problem. Mm -hmm. We're so afraid of being judged for speaking up and saying, no, I need more help that we instead internalize it and find ways to self-medicate that are unhealthy. Yeah, especially in COVID when our village was gone, not only did we have the 
all of the mental load of everything. But then we had this challenge of, especially at the beginning, how do I keep my family safe? And all of that was like brutal. And you're doing it on your own, you know? Okay, so I want to go back to your story. So when you then, early in sobriety, it felt like a sentence more of like, I guess I can't do that. I guess I can't drink like other people can, quote unquote. How did that change or how did you deal with that? Because I do see a lot of moms in my group. They're feeling that. They're feeling like, ugh, why is this happening to me? Yeah, how did you deal with that and then continue in sobriety and when did it shift? Yeah, I think, you know, I I white knuckled my sobriety for many months. Yeah. It didn't change until the fall of that year. Uh, so about nine months, 10 months in when I was in a writer's group and everyone was talking about things they were proud of. And one of my writer friends said, I'm so proud to be six weeks alcohol free. Mm. And I remember just being dumbstruck. Like, is that something we can be proud of? Yeah. Is that something to be excited about? And with that, I just felt a huge light bulb moment where I was like, what I'm doing is actually pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And up until that point, the only people I had told about my sobriety was my mom and my husband. Okay. And when I reached one year sober, I wrote a post about it on my social media pages. And I just said, hey, you might not know this about me. I look like just a successful, normal, everyday, thriving person. Yeah. But I have a drinking problem. Yeah. (laughs) And today I'm one year sober. And the response was just unreal. Like, unlike anything. And these were people who had no idea. They had no idea that I was struggling. And they did not shame me or criticize me or make me feel less. They lifted me up and said that that is phenomenal. You are incredible. What a, what a powerful story. And I think that for me was when something inside really just shifted. Like I'm not a victim. Right. If anything, you know, I, I'm a game changer. I took matters into my own hand and I have changed my future and my family's future as a result. And that was really the lightning strike that I needed to uh, have a mind shift and stop wallowing, you know, in self-pity and recognize that this is really a gift. Yeah. We have something special with our sobriety that a lot of people can't see or have blinders on towards. Yeah. And that's when I started reading books like, you know, This Naked Mind and whatnot and seeing how exposed we are to uh, this sort of societal brainwashing that alcohol fixes everything. Yeah. And how there's really no truth to it. And that's when I feel like I was able to kind of lean in to um, alcohol-free life as a blessing. Yeah, that's so amazing that, you know, it feels like there was all this support there that you didn't know because it's scary to be vulnerable and to open up about this really what feels like a precious and private thing. And then when you opened up, it was like they were, they just caught you. Yeah. Like you jumped, they caught they you. Caught That's me. what it felt like when I started sharing, when I took my kind of suite and like created Sober Mom Life, I was like, okay, guys, I don't know how this is going to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know what you're going to call me or if you're going to label me, but I'm just going to tell you something. Yeah. It was like, oh my God. It's kind of like, wow, why didn't I do this before? <laughs> Yeah, it's very empowering. It's the opposite of the response I thought I was going to get. And um, it made me want to open up more. And I did. Um, And now it's most of what I write and talk about, which is incredible. Yeah, it makes sense that that's kind of how we think that it's something in dark church basements, because especially for you, that's what you saw, right? Right. It's, It's something you should remain anonymous, kind of rooted in shame, all of this stuff. 100%. Yeah. But then that feels, that's just, oh, that feels so heavy. That feels like the opposite of what sobriety is for you and me. My father's alcoholism was our big family dark secret. It was something we whispered about. You know, we didn't tell people about it. We just carried the shame and fear with us. And that's another reason why I am so vocal about my sobriety now 
is I don't want any more secrets. I, I don't want people yeah. to carry shame in their addiction or recovery um, sober journeys. Like enough. Yeah. Addiction carries enough shame with it to last a lifetime. Let's release that and let's just be open and share our experiences and realize we are not alone. Far from it. Oh my God. So far from it. That's this thing I keep bumping up against is like the normal drinker. And I'm like, oh my God. If most people that I've come across, I can literally think of one, have questioned or struggled with their relationship with alcohol, then that's normal. (laughs) This normal drinker ideal that we have in our head, like I don't know what a normal, I don't know if a normal drinker, what do they, I don't even know. I don't know what a normal drinker is because I think the drinking normally is trying to moderate, struggling to moderate, taking a break, doing a dry January, going back to it, being able to moderate, maybe having a night that was too much, then taking a break, then waking up with guilt. Like, I think that that's the normal cycle. I think so too. I think that's why a gray area drinking is so uh, relatable to so many of us because we do, it's a roller coaster. You know, sometimes we feel completely in control. Yeah. And other times we set a goal to just have one and we lose control. Yeah. That's normal. Yeah. I think that that's normal because it's a substance that fucks with our head and our and our brain and it's highly addictive like that is a normal drinker (laughs) yeah and you know i mean when you remember and recognize comparing it to something like cigarettes nobody ever had this long thought out process how do i figure out how to moderate my smoking right nor would anybody support them in that journey it's you know you either quit smoking or you're a smoker it's one or the other yeah That sounds like if you were to say like, well, I smoke responsibly. Yeah. I mean, people would laugh (laughs) in your face because like there's not a way to smoke responsibly. Like you can't do that because because of the substance, not because of you. Because everybody knows tobacco is very addictive. Right, right. And nicotine kills you. Yeah. We have this narrative around alcohol that uh, it's something that if done responsibly, is safe and healthy and perfectly normal. And we've all adhered to it for so long. I would love to shake that up. I'd love to shake that conversation up. And I think that's what we're doing. I know. Me too. I think so too. And I, I just, anytime like I hear these phrases that, you know, we just use and hear like recovery and normal drinker. And I, I get like, these are all like, you know, phrases that have been around forever and people accept. I just always am like, oh, And then I'm like, okay, what is about what is making me go, huh, that just doesn't feel right or doesn't sit well or something's off. (laughs) Like then we just have to be like, okay, let's dig deeper and see what's really going on. Because and it all comes back to the fact that alcohol is not good for anybody. Right. And I hope that, you know, with time and with more news and research opening up with that, that people will be more understanding that it's all with drinking. It's about informed consent. Yeah. You know, like we got to take the blinders off and stop saying, you know, that alcohol has health benefits and instead say, you know, if you're going to drink, you got to recognize you're taking a risk as you are with anything, you know, as you are with riding a bicycle without a helmet. Like, I mean, this is right. This is what you have chosen to do. Yeah, that might be a risk you're willing to take, which fine. Then that's, you know. Right. Okay. But yeah, how about we get like those big warning labels that are on cigarettes that take up a lot of the box that like you have to see that, yeah, this shit could kill you. Like, okay, cool. But can it say that? Can we just say that (laughs) this shit could kill you and it's highly addictive? Can we just get that on like every wine bottle on the front? I know. Instead of saying mommy's little helper, (laughs) say this shit could kill you. Hey, mom, this shit could kill you. It could ruin your family. And at the very least, like make you miss a day of your life because you're on the couch the next morning. Right. Like, okay. Yeah. Instead of calling it mom water. Did you see that? Like, Yeah. I saw mom juice, mom water. I think it's in Target. Is it at Target right now? Mom water is sold at Target. And I've worked with Target. Like I partner with Target all the time. 
And now I'm like, dude, Target, you got to do better. You can't sell mom water. Target has a lot of work to do around mommy wine culture. (laughs) And the t-shirts. And I know it's just, oh, it's so dangerous. Okay. So you have parented then while you were drinking and now sober. Like what's, what is the biggest difference for you in being a sober mom versus a drinking mom? Yeah. You know, I think once you become a mother, energy becomes a currency, right? And you have to decide Mm. where you're going to spend your energy and where you're going to conserve it. And drinking and hangovers take up so much energy. So much. Yes. For me, it Once I quit and got that energy back, I could really soak in and do a deep dive into the mother, being the mother I wanted to be, which is more present, Mm. more energetic, you know, actually being able to get up off the couch and play with them, you know, when they wanted to, or making it to, you know, the sports games or doing the things that I was too drained to do when I was nursing a hangover. Yeah. I love that I can be that person for my my kids now. Well, there was a couple of years where I wasn't. And yes, I do still kind of feel some guilt around that. Because you care. That's another thing. Like guilt is just a signal that we care so damn much. And I think if anything, it's a call to action to do better today. Yeah. Right. And that's all we can do. You know, we... I talk a lot to mothers who have kids who are either teenagers or adults, and they're just starting their sober journey now, and they almost feel like it's too late. Mm. And I try to tell them, like, now it, now is the perfect time. Mm-hmm. Now is just right. You can still, you know, mend relationships now. You can still change your behavior and regain that trust now. And it could be like, okay, the perfect time might have been five years ago. The second perfect time's today. Yeah. (laughs) Like you're going to look back in five years from now and be like, God, why didn't I stop then? Yeah. And I think when I think about what kind of memories I want my children to have, I want them to have energized go-getter mom who is always there, uh, not, you know, laying in bed. Sunday mornings, yeah, you know, too hungover to hang out and have breakfast. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be that mom. Not anymore. You know? Yeah. I tried that motherhood. It didn't work out for me. <laughs> yeah. And I think as moms, you know, we do think like, oh, we're just tired. We're just, we just have a headache. We're just too old. Like you guys, you're not old and it's not just because you're tired. It's probably the alcohol. Right. <laughs> I know. We, we let it off the hook. Yeah, even if you don't have like this like crazy hangover, I mean, you still feel the effects of alcohol in like your energy levels and yeah. In everything. You know, I think about what I want for my children, you know, and as they get older, of course, I don't want them to rely on alcohol or drugs to get them through hard times. I don't want them to use alcohol or drugs to self-medicate. I don't want any of that for them. So why was it okay for me? Yeah. If I don't want that for my children, but I'm showing up as that every day, you know, what kind of example am I setting? And that, Mm -hmm. that was another, you know, eye-opening moment for me is not only what are they going to remember in mom, if I'm always gripping my wine glass, like I depend on it. Yeah. But what am I teaching them to do when they're old enough? to make their own choices. Yeah, so true. How, how old are your kids now? They're six and eight. Okay, yeah, I, I mine's eight, five, and three. So it's, it is like the eight-year-old kind of knows that I don't drink. I don't think she really under, you know, she doesn't get what that means totally, but she gets like, she's like, oh yeah, that, you know, your shirt says sober is cool. And she was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, they catch on. I mean, in the addiction and inoculation by Jessica, uh, Leahy. Yes. Okay. I started that. That's a great book. I need to go back to it. Okay, good. Because that's all about, yeah, like how do we protect our kids from falling into the trap, right? Right. And she says kids start picking up on uh, alcohol cues as early as age three. Wow. So they're seen. Like, I think my oldest was five or six when he asked me, why do you not drink alcohol but daddy does? So they they see this stuff. Yeah. 
Okay. So it's never too early to start having this conversation. Yeah. And that book is a great book of telling you how in depth to go based on their age. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I think my mom told me about that. It was on like Rich Roll or something. Okay. I'm going to write that. We'll, we'll link that in the show notes to addiction inoculation, right? Yeah. And so what about your husband? Does, he does still drink? He does still drink. You know what, what? How does that go? Cause mine does too. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's weird, right? Especially when he overindulges. Right. Yes. That could be triggering, right? Like not so much like you wanting to drink, but it's just like you get fucking pissed off. And yeah. You're like, dude, I, I'm, yeah, this is, I, I want no part of it. Right. I feel like when that happens, I'm raising three children. <laughs> oh my God, the worst. Yes. Yeah. But if anything, it's such a reminder, like this is what I do not want for myself, right? I don't. Yeah. And, and I think about how often I was that person. Yeah. But one thing that has happened since I've quit is his drinking has gone down significantly. And I think I was really a drink pusher in our relationship. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You like, you were like, come on, let's, let's have another one. Let's do this. Yeah. Totally. And when I stopped pushing that on him, I, we might have one beer in the house right now. Like, I don't know if we even, he doesn't keep beer around. He doesn't drink just because he'll only drink like when he's at a party. And that was really interesting for me to see because it turned out my drinking problem wasn't necessarily his drinking problem, even though we were drinking buddies. Yeah. But it did significantly change our relationship because we did, you know, fall in love as drinking buddies. And we had to reframe what this relationship was going to look like. And that was hard for him and me, you know, because it just meant an evolving of the relationship as, as all relationships do. Right. And you kind of stumble through it, right? Like the first sober date night, you're like, Oh God, what are we talking about? I know. I know. Is this still going to be fun? Sober sex. It's actually so much better. Yeah. Um, I think like it's, you know, it's better. The way I see it, if I didn't quit drinking, our relationship would have had its own stumbling blocks, but probably a thousand times worse. Yes. So yes, we've had some roadblocks on our my sober journey, mm-hmm. but they are probably a tenth as challenging as they would have been if I had continued drinking. Such a great point. And they're m- meaningful and powerful and move you forward rather than those, you know, and, and even just those like stupid fights that you get into when you're drinking. It's like, those are just then eliminated. Yeah. We don't ever have unintentional arguments. Yes, right. You never say something that you're like, don't, you don't remember. And you don't, you're like, why am I mad? You wake up in the morning, like, I know we got into a fight last night. I don't remember what it was about, but I was really mad at you. So maybe I'm still mad at you. Yeah. That being gone is amazing. That was (laughs) awful. Like waking up in the morning and trying to read body cues to see if your partner's angry at you. Yes. I do not miss that. at all. And just trying to piece it to get like, you're like, okay, I know something happened. Like I, I remember yelling and just knowing that you probably acted in a way you would not act. Yeah. And said something you probably didn't want to say at all. Yeah. I think that that is like the greatest gift of sobriety. And I'll say it a thousand times if I say it every episode. It's just the integrity and really like a returning home to yourself and being who you always are. Like you can count on yourself. Yeah. You're intentional. Yeah. And I also, one of the things I really love, so I'm kind of battling a cold right now. One of the things I love about sobriety is I can trust my body's intuition again. Like when I feel run down, like I don't have to second guess it. I can think to myself, I'm not feeling good. I need to work on, you know, resting today. Whereas in the past, I I just never knew. Am I really getting sick? Yeah. Or was it, you know, the three glasses of wine last night? Okay, this is such a good point. And I'm glad you brought this up because I have been struggling with, like we were at Miraval at the beginning of October and I woke up our first full day there. And, you know, it's like a spa yoga retreat, like just heaven on earth. And I woke up our first full day there with a cold and I had like, body aches and, you know, uh, I felt like shit. And I was so pissed. (laughs) 
<laughs> I get more angry when I get sick. First, I, it, it is triggering to wake up and feel like that. Yeah. And then you're like, holy shit, I feel like I'm hungover. No, I didn't drink. I'm not hungover. And then I feel like, oh my God, I'm doing everything I can and I'm still getting sick. I have that. And so then I feel like pissed. I'm like, I'm not even drinking. I'm feeling like shit. You know? So I like your approach way better to be like, no, now I can actually listen to my body and what it needs rather than yeah. I, I just beat up. I, I beat myself up about getting sick. Well, in my drinking, I, you know, it's self-sabotage. Uh-huh. I mean, any way you look at it, right? And you're essentially making yourself physically ill all the time. Yeah. And now I can actually listen to my body's cues and try to be respectful of them, which I haven't done for a really long time. I need to take a page out of you. I need to remember this. I need to remember not to get pissed when I get sick. No, it's so true. Just even like tired cues. Yeah. Or like if you're at a party, like now I leave when I'm tired, which yeah. like... I didn't know when I was tired if I was drinking. Like I was just, just thought about like, am I going to have another glass of wine? I didn't think about what my body needs and if I'm tired. Right. It was all just chasing the next drink for me too. It was never listening to what your body needs genuinely because it always felt like it needed another drink. Right. So you really couldn't listen to anything else. And maybe that was kind of the point too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because it is when you listen to your body, then you have to listen to your mind. And some people are really fucking scared of listening to their mind. And I get it. Yeah. I feel like that's a skill that you learn in sobriety, but you don't have that. Like, I didn't have that when I stopped drinking. I was like, oh, okay. Because I, I wasn't an everyday drinker. I was like you. I was a great area drinker. And I'm like, great, I'll just stop drinking. Well, you don't realize all the shit that comes up when you stop drinking. Yeah. Which means that you don't realize all the stuff you were quieting when you were drinking. Like, I didn't think there was a lot, but there was. And you have to figure out how to navigate it without alcohol, which is a very unique uh, experience as well. Yeah. And it's something that for many of us who started drinking maybe in your teenage years or college years is something we've never had to do. Totally. Any sort of negative emotions or experiences were always numbed by alcohol because that's how we we've encouraged it since probably the dawn of time. Right. So when you start putting alcohol aside and trying to figure out other paths to get through some of these harder emotional experiences, you really grow. It takes work. It does. So what's your, what are your like tops in your sobriety toolbox? Like when you're having a bad day, when you're just feeling like shit, when you're sick, when you're, you know, going through the witching hour, when your motherhood gets tough, like what is your go-to now that wine is off the table? I am a host, uh, but also a member of Sober Mom Squad. So a meeting is always. Yes. Okay. So that's with Emily Paulson, which we love. We talked with her. Yeah. So she leaves Sober Mom Squad and I host a couple meetings a week, but um, that's a great go-to place for connection. And Mm. one of the things in my first year of sobriety, I didn't have anybody, right? I didn't have anybody who I knew was sober, certainly not another mother. When I first started hearing stories from other moms who are going through the same thing as me, the amount of empowerment and the gift of feeling heard yeah. was unlike anything. Um, and I would encourage it to anybody, regardless of what your experience is or where you are on the gray area drinking spectrum, I would encourage finding a community because it is a great top go-to place for a toolbox. Yes. You wouldn't believe how uplifting it is to feel heard, especially as mothers where it seems like nobody's listening. (laughs) Totally. Nobody is listening. Nobody listens to us. Like we're like last on the list for everything. (laughs) So true. And what are the meetings? Are the meetings people telling, like sharing their stories and just like then you can hear other people's stories. You can share yours. Yeah. And uh, some people just go to listen. Some people don't even put their videos on. Yeah. They just listen because we're busy moms, right? I mean, I think that's the thing. Totally. Um, when I first quit drinking, someone told me to go to 90 meetings in 90 days. And I'm like, oh my God. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. What do you think I do all day? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Who's going to watch my kids? Like, totally. what are you talking about? 
Yeah, so you could go to these meetings, put yourself on mute, turn your camera off and listen. Like put those AirPods in while your kids play around you and just listen, right? You're in the school pickup lines? Yes. Pop a meeting in. Yeah. That's probably my my number one tip for a toolbox. But I do, I try to do a lot of things for me now. Things that I never, ever would have asked or um, made time for in early motherhood. Like exercise is one of my top priorities. Yeah. I love to run. I'm a big runner and I make that time for me every day. And I think it's really important to show my children that's very important for me having a balanced life. Yes. So that I do that. And then um, I always encourage people to download a sober tracker or app for daily encouragement. Yeah. Because there's so many great ones out there. What's your favorite one? I'll put that one in there too. Do you have one that is your go-to? Well, the one I started with was I Am Sober. Okay. And I still, I get a little uh, quote every day. That oh, just, that's nice. It's a little quote and it's free and it's effortless. I mean, just try, it's a, it's a counter. Yeah. Um, sober Buddy is awesome because you can do challenges. They have little challenges you can do. Oh, awesome. And they're doable. You know, they're not like meditate for an hour. They're, yeah, <laughs> they're no simple. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so those are great ones. But this Naked Mind uh, has the alcohol experiment app. Yeah. And I've yeah. been playing on that one a little bit. And that one's really informative. So if you're looking for daily information, that's a great one. Oh, cool. I'll link all of these in the show notes, guys, so you can just click on them and see which one you like best. That's amazing. And so first, let's talk about Ultimate Mom Challenge. So tell me like the name I love. Tell me all about that. This is kind of funny because the Ultimate Mom Challenge was something I started before I quit drinking. And it was my effort to be a better mom. Oh, okay. So every month I would focus on one thing, like I'm a mindful mom and I would try to do something every day to work towards that goal. I am a fit mom. I try to exercise every day. Yeah. I'm a present mom. You know, like I did all the things. The irony of it all, right, is, you know, I get through a year of being the ultimate mom with this ultimate mom challenge. And what I realized afterwards is what I truly needed to do was quit drinking. That's so interesting. So it like all your own profile led you to this great realization. Yeah. 100%. I did everything to work around alcohol, right? I, right. It's like, right. The problem. I'm going to find the problem. I'm going to, you know, devote my life to it. And then. Yeah. And then you did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, inadvertently. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, I still go by the ultimate mom challenge because it reminds me like ultimately the ultimate mom challenge is being a mom in today's modern world and trying to be the best we can with the tools and resources we have. Yeah. And that's really how I define the ultimate mom challenge. Now it's everyone's journey is different. We're all just doing the best we can. And that's what makes us great moms. Yes. Yes. It's just the trying it is. I always tell my kids, like, what mistakes are we going to make today? Because like everybody makes mistakes and that's what it's, you know, but we're just, you continually show up and you continually try. That's all it's about. Yeah. Live and learn. I love that for sure. Oh my God. I could talk to you forever. I love it. I love your story. I think it'll be really helpful for those people who, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think the moms who listen don't necessarily see themselves going to AA. They don't call themselves alcoholic. Yeah. That scares them. Scares me too. Yeah, me too. Like I, that's just not, that's not us. And I don't know who that is. I don't define it. I don't, you know, we don't answer that question over here because we don't have to. Yeah. We just answer the question like, is alcohol making your life better? Is it making motherhood easier? Yeah. I have a book coming out next fall. Yes. Tell me about it. I mean, it's basically what we've been talking about, but it's, yeah, it's not about the wine the loaded truth behind mommy wine culture, but it's about kind of this perfect storm between the mental load of motherhood and the increase in women's drinking and how to break free, right? Yeah. How do we get through the the constant stressors of being a mom without self-medicating and with asking our, our partners for more help on the home front Yeah. and talking to our doctors without worry that they're going to 
tell us to go to the psych ward, you know, like, how do you find that place yeah. uh, where we can speak up and get change while also taking care of us and not relying on alcohol to survive? Alcohol doesn't care about you. You guys, alcohol is not going to take care of you. Alcohol is like going to give you a big fuck you. It does not care. Yeah. Yeah. So when does the book come out? And then next fall. Ah, okay. <laughs> We're going to have to have you on here again when it comes out so we can just celebrate with sparkling water and the all of the... Oh, what's your favorite mocktail? Oh, I love mountain alcoholic beer. I love it. Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, nice and refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, then we'll have an NA beer on here and we'll celebrate. <laughs> I love celebrate it. Celebrate the book. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. Your story is so just inspiring and relatable. And you guys go and follow Celeste on the Ultimate Mom Challenge. Yeah. And on TikTok, too. You're like, you're killing it. <laughs> you I, are. Your videos, your reels and your TikToks are so good. I love them. I feel like I have a very kind of dark, self-effacing humor. So either you get it or you don't. <laughs> we welcome that. I, the darker, the better. I love it. <laughs> Celeste, thank you so much for being here and come back, okay? Thanks, Suzanne. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. Why are we doing an ad again? So that we can tell people about brand new information, a pop culture and political podcast. Say it in a way that doesn't sound like game show host. Okay. Do you want to be in a room of overeducated douchebags and feel comfortable? Brand new information is for you. What's it going to take to put you in this podcast today? We have brand new information on sale for free. Free. Wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. We might not break the political and pop culture news of the week. But we put it right back together for you. That's right. Listen wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.